Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So we raise funds in the United States, scholarship money, sponsorship money, general funding, to help these kids go to school. Their parents, you know, earning $1.50 a day, they could never afford school. So we're really helping them, you know, move to the next level, trying to help them understand what an education is and what it will mean to them. We also train their parents. Uh, we've developed savings clubs. We've helped them start micro, some microfinance, small businesses to help them put food on the table. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazda. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Uh, guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. And boy, do we have a special guest, my main man, Mario Zanstra in the house. What's up? Hey, Darius. It is so great to see you, man. It's good to catch up. Oh, it has been way too long. My main man, Mario, and I, we, we, we're fellow Stegen grads. So we're going to be That's talking right. about all things conscious capitalism and then some today. That's right. Man, how have you been? You know, I've been really good. I've been good. You know, I mean, we're all trying to wrestle through the uh, global pandemic and all the things that it does to your business and to your personal life. But you know what? We're doing all right. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that. Well, let's get the show started. Guys, um, for our new listeners, you know, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. We're about people who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And my friend Mario is neither short of passion nor greatness. So I want to give a little bit of background about how Mario and I know each know one another. We met through a conscious leadership program called the ILP, Integral Leadership Program in Dallas, Texas, known as Stegen. And uh, it's an amazing class. We had an amazing class. I mean, like just a bunch of just world, world-changing world folks. And Mario, not excluding Mario, hopefully not myself. And um, and so, you know, I met Mario, man. And instantly I, I was just, you know, I was actually going through a huge transition 
in my business, in my life then, uh, for listeners that know, you know, I ended up leaving my, my company about, oh gosh, I guess nine months into Stegen. And so Mario got a front row seat into watching me go through that transition. But, you know, I, I, I was really blown away by the work that Mario, Mario does. And we're gonna be talking all about that. So Mario, you are running a, a nonprofit essentially out of Africa. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so I spent, yeah, I spent uh, 18 years in the business world and then about 22 years ago, went down the not-for-profit track and I run a, a organization in Africa, Zambia specifically, that educates 14,000 children in 23 schools. Wow. Talk, talk about creating greatness, man. That's amazing. And with that said, I, I, what I want to do is, is kind of give you a formal bio. You guys, you know, Mario, like I said, we met at, at Stegen and these are for CEOs, mostly CEOs and leaders. There's some C-suite and some larger companies that, that do it as well. But Mario is the president and CEO and he is the keeper of the vision, culture, talent and work uh, with the board of directors of Family Legacy. So prior to joining Family Legacy, he served as the president and CEO at Pine Cove Christian Camp and president at East West Ministries and the EVP executive vice president at Trans Western Commercial Services. So he holds a bachelor's degree of science and business administration from USC, University of Southern California, go Trojans. And uh, he is a member of the St. Jude's Oak Cliff Church. So, man, welcome to the show. That's great. Great to be here. So, um... Yeah, like take us back, you know, like you you went from the business world to now this nonprofit world, but kind of take us back, you know, like like how does one how does one do this? Like how did you what 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 created the calling for you to move in this direction and where did it all start? You know, I was uh, I was in the commercial real estate business and I was actually kind of near the kind of the peak of my career. I was a partner in a national firm. I was responsible for a large region. Everything I'd kind of worked for, dreamed for was kind of what I was supposed to be doing and uh, but I was on the board of directors of this not-for-profit, and while I was on the board of directors, I read a book called Halftime by Bob Buford. Uh, if you know Bob Buford, he is a great man, and, and the principle of the book was uh, the first half of your life, you work for success, and the second half of your life, you work for significance. And I remember writing the reading the book, and uh, part of the exercise in the book is actually to write a plan. And on my 40th birthday with my wife, I shared with her the plan of what I wanted to do. It had nothing to do with Pineco. It just had to do with, with uh, leaving the corporate world, uh, investing my life in the, in the things of God. And, uh, and my wife, interestingly enough, when I got done sharing that, said, uh, wherever uh, you want to go, I'm following. I'm with you. I mean, we're in. And uh, the crazy thing about that was we had six kids. Anyway, long and the short of it was, I was on the board of this organization. Their CEO left. I became a candidate. And the next thing I knew, I took an 80% cut in pay and went to run a not-for-profit. And uh, it was a wild, wild ride. And, and that ride continues. So so that was uh, that was Pine Cove? That was... That was that yeah, was, I what, left Transwestern to go to Pine Cove. And I was there for 17 years. And the whole premise of this halftime book is... Use the things you learned in business for the benefit of something greater. And so this uh, organization I took over, we had 5,000 guests in the summer. And then my last year, 17 years later, we had 33,000 guests. We had grown 600% as an organization. I put business principles into place and, uh, and, and made a decision. We're going to hire the best and we're going to create something that's great. And uh, man, by God's grace, it worked out and lots of people's lives were radically impacted. 
Wait, wait, what percentage? What was the percentage growth that did you say? 600%. Wow. That's 600% in 17 years. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And so, so is Pine Cove Christian Camp, that, that is obviously a different gro- group than Family Legacy. That's right. So that's, that's where I worked. And, uh, and then I, I hired and trained my replacement and I did succession plan right. You know, if you succession plan well, you might lose your job. If you succession plan poorly, you might lose your organization. So you actually have to get it just right. But I hired a young guy, invested in him for nine years, handed him the baton, and then stayed in the not-for-profit sector and, and did a wide variety of things since then. So, so nine years uh, succession plan. That's 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 a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't know when I hired him that he was the guy. But about three years, about six years in, I thought, you know what, he's the guy that's going to replace me. And so I began to invest in him for the sole purpose of him being able to take the baton and actually transition in a smooth way, as opposed to many organizations don't transition well. Yeah. And, uh, and anyway, it worked out great. It was, it was seamless. He's done a great job. He's actually continued to grow that organization. We still talk monthly and uh, very grateful to be able to kind of pick my replacement. So after leaving that, the next, I'm, I'm assuming the next step was moving into family legacy. Is that correct? I worked and helped a friend at an organization called East West as the president. He uh, was the president and CEO previously. He had a lot of kids and we helped kind of kind of rebuild the organization, position it for, for a great future. And then I took on the challenge at Family Legacy, which actually had gone through a bumpy season and basically have spent the last four years refounding the ministry. And so these are all uh, faith-based organizations. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, so is the intention around them for for like mission work, or is it more based around you know you know helping kids or combination thereof? Like, what what's what, if you don't mind, like kind of giving the listeners yeah. a background around sure. you know what's the intention and motivation behind this work? I'd love to hear that. Yeah. So, family legacy. So, we exist to glorify God by empowering and equipping vulnerable and orphan children to live up to their God-given potential. And, and here's the gist of it. You know, we're in a country that has 18 million people. The average age, median age in Zambia is 17 years old. Wow. Compared to the United States, it's 38. So it's literally a country of children raising children. And uh, the daily wage for the average worker in Zambia, if they have a job, is about $1.50. And uh, and so it's a it's literally a third world country that's trying to break out. And what we have chosen to do is to invest deeply in one city. So the capital city of Lusaka, Zambia, has uh, about 150,000 kids who walk the streets of Lusaka and don't have an opportunity for an education. And we made a decision that we are going to invest in 10 percent of those kids. Wow. So uh, we invest in them physically. Every child that's in our program gets a meal every day. And for many of them, that's the only meal they'll get every day. Uh, we have a, a, a quad certified infectious disease doctor on our staff. And we literally examine every child every year uh, from a health perspective. 15% of our kids are HIV positive. We have another percentage of kids that are uh, that have cancer or sickle cell. Uh, and then, and then, lastly, all of our kids are vulnerable, and 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 uh, and then a, a percentage of them are orphaned as well. But 
But the truth is, in Zambia, the plight of the vulnerable is not too indifferent from the plight of the orphan. And so we literally are investing in the next generation of kids that we think someday uh, might be the leaders in their compounds or they might be the leaders in their city. Who knows? Some of them may be the leader of their country someday. But we invest in them physically. We invest in them emotionally. Um, Zambia at one time was called the land of a million orphans. Wow. And um, because of the uh, HIV uh, AIDS pandemic, a lot of kids lost their parents. There's a whole generation between the 30s and 40s that passed away because of the AIDS epidemic. And uh, literally, they were being raised by grandmothers, great grandmothers, because that whole generation was gone. And with that comes a lot of baggage. And so we're helping them unpack their baggage. Uh, thirdly, we educate them and uh, we want them to, to go to school, learn English, learn how to read and write learn how to understand the history of their of their cult, uh, country and really to prepare them for life. And then the last piece is we do invest in them spiritually. We do it from a Christian viewpoint and we want them to have a relationship with God. And, and so we take care of them temporarily and we take care of them eternally and we help them work through their poverty. Wow. And so is family legacy only in that part of the world? Are you as what's the what's the goal when you look at family legacy? As far as is it just focus on Zambia? Are you guys saying Africa, or is it no? This is a you want to turn this into like a global wide movement? Well, we uh, our founder had a passion, and uh, and I actually agree with him. Rather than going shallow in a lot of places, we're going to go deep in one. And so you know, if you if we have an opportunity to impact ten percent of the uneducated population in Zambia and give them a great education and really help them work through the junk that's gone on in their life and prepare them, feed them, help them grow. Uh, we think we can make a difference in one country. And, uh, and I don't know how much you know about Zambia, but Zambia gained its independence from, from Britain in 1964, the same year that South Korea broke off from North Korea when they became two Koreas. Zambia went down the path of borrowing money to try to build an economy. South Korea instead said, we're not going to borrow money. We're going to build from within. South Korea is the fifth largest economy in the world. Mm -hmm. Zambia is near the bottom. So we're wow. trying to help them move from the bottom up by educating their population. Wow. Yeah, I just pulled this up right now. So it's 18.38 million is the population of Zambia. And you're saying in the city you guys are in, what's the name of the city that you yeah. guys are yeah, Lusaka, Zambia. It has about uh, just shy of two million people, and uh, and a large percentage of the kids. See, in Zambia, school does not happen for free. You got to pay for it. So we raise funds in the United States, scholarship money, sponsorship money, general funding, uh, to help these kids go to school. Their parents, you know, earning a dollar fifty a day, they could never afford school. So we're really helping them, you know, move to the next level, trying to help them understand what an education is and what it will mean to them. We also train their parents. Uh, we've developed savings clubs. We've helped them start micro, some microfinance, small businesses to help them put food on the table. So when you start to look at, you know, a population of, you know, a couple million people, your goal is to help 10% of the, the it's of the children, I'm assuming, right? That's right. Is that correct? That's and, right. And, but it sounds like it's a pretty high population of under of young people. If the average age you said is 17 years old. That's right. Um, so, so it's amazing to think about, right? Like, 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 
like I don't have a lot. I, I have a small amount of context just because I've been to third world countries before. But for listeners, if you've never, you know, ventured outside of first and second world countries to go see that level of poverty is, is from at least my experience, shocking and moving because you, uh, this episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million-dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now, and let me tell you, They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear, uses directed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I, I will tell you like a quick story. Like the first time in my life, I actually appreciated 
the what I was the the genetic lottery I won was I went to India when I was 20 years old on this trip called Semester at Sea, and we go on a boat around the world and we the, and we went to India and we went to South India and uh, Chennai. It's called Chennai now. It's called um, I can't remember what it's called then. They, they had a different name, but um, anyhow, oh Madras, that's what it used to be called. And I went to and there's a cast in India called the Dalits. Which are the untouchables? It's they're 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 actually below the caste system. Yeah, it's heavy amounts of like civil right issues. I mean, yeah. like it's it's like legal to murder them. It's really weird. And I went to a delete orphanage, and saw all these orphans who, you know, I was 20 years old. I'm seeing all these kids who are like of the lowest of the low as far as the way they're perceived in their own country, and they're orphans. And then I went and slept in a delete village for the night, and. And it was, you know, it was the first time in my whole life I felt like, I was like, wow, I've, I've not taken advantage. I've taken for granted my education and the privilege I have of, of being just born in upper middle class, middle class America. And, and so my question for you, the reason I bring that up is for me, it was profound. It, like I changed my perspective. Like I, I, would, I, be, I left that moment, it was five days of my life, actually became a different person. I was like, oh, I'm not going to waste this life I have because I have leverage that these kids would kill for. Like they would literally, if they said, Hey, you can kill and become me. They'd probably be like, yeah, where do I sign up for that? Maybe they wouldn't kill somebody, but they would do a lot. <laughs> I would do a lot if I was there. Sure. Right. So for yourself, like tell us about like the first time you got exposed to this, how did it feel? Well, so I went to Zambia for the first time a little over four years ago and I, and I've been to, I've been to Cairo, Egypt. I've been to Havana, Cuba. I've been to Istanbul, Turkey. I've seen poverty. But about four and a half years ago, I went to Zambia and I went to one of our schools and I'd read an article flying to flying to Africa about the plight of young ladies in Africa. Really, the fact the sexual abuse, physical abuse, all the issues. And I walked into one of our schools and um, when I walked in, I had these 10 little boys that came running at me full speed. And um, I I literally didn't know what to do. I mean, I just kind of leaned down. They tackled me to the ground. And, uh, and they were dusty and dirty and, and, uh, and ironically what they did was one of them started rubbing my gray hair, which I thought was the weirdest thing in the world. And, uh, anyway, I grabbed my cell phone and I yelled selfie, which by the way, is just universal around the world. <laughs> and these uh, 10 little boys, they kind of dabbed and, and, uh, took a picture of them. That's actually the photo that I sent you for my bio. And, uh, and I turned around and there was this 11 year old girl and her hair was tightly cropped no smile on her face. And, uh, I mean, I got goosebumps just talking about it. I mean, she literally broke me. I mean, I was broken at that moment. Just, just from looking at like the, just the- looking at, looking into her eyes and seeing her eyes were dull. And I, and I was literally sitting in one of the poorest, uh, compounds, slum compounds in Lusaka, Zambia. And I literally went from there to a lunch, uh, with our team, which, which later became our team, my team. And we were just sitting there in a restaurant and I said, tell me about that girl. And they said, well, you know, this is what her life is probably like living in her home. And I literally burst out crying. And uh, one of the Zambian staff turned to me and said, Mario, uh, Zambian men don't cry in public. And I said, well, thank you. I'm not a Zambian man. Yeah. And I just wept over, over, I was heartbroken for her. And at that moment, man, my heart was changed. And so I went and, and made a decision to quit my job and go work for Family Legacy. And, and very interesting things happen. You know, you start reflecting on your own life. I grew up in East Los Angeles. 
My mom had an eighth grade education. My dad had a 10th grade education. We were blue collar. I was the first kid to ever go to college in our family. And my both my parents were alcoholics. Well, that that right there is almost the same type of demographic of the kids of Zambia. Dad's an alcoholic. Mom doesn't know how to put it together. They're not educated. Yet I had a chance to get out. And so it kind of knit my heart to them and said, listen, uh, I had somebody advocate for me in high school, a high school uh, uh, admissions counselor, and I want to help advocate for these kids and give them a great hope. And so that's how it started. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. Going, uh, I don't mean to dwell on the girl. What did they what did they say the story was about her? Well, I mean, her story, uh, her story, not specifically because we had 14,000 kids, but her story was likely that she was living in a home that only had a mom and probably in a one room shack, probably six or seven kids living there. Not all of them belonging to that mom because you kind of have it takes a village to raise a family in Africa. And uh, and, you know, it may be that mom's boyfriend comes in or the, the you know, the dad shows up once in a while. Uh, the sexual abuse and physical abuse in Africa, uh, and particularly in Zambia, in in very vulnerable populations, is unbelievable. And then there's myths. There's myths about having sex with young girls, and so these men take advantage of these young girls, and then wow. they promise them a whole bunch and turn them into child brides, get them pregnant. But we're talking about thirteen, fourteen-year-old girls getting pregnant, and then men abandoning them. So we're we're trying to help those girls think differently about building boundaries and actually having life be different than the ones that their parents had. Wow, yeah, it's it's again like living in, and I know that like there's sad stories and life is hard in many parts of the world, but I do think in the United States, like our our level of difficulty is not even there's there's no we're talking about just different worlds. Oh yeah. And and there's a caste system like you have like you saw in India, you know. There's about ten percent of the population is is uh, is uh, above the middle class ranks, goes to private school, may go to boarding schools, but ninety percent of the population just struggle to get an education, struggle to make it work, struggle to put food on the table, and we want to change that struggle. <laughs> Hey gang, Darius Mashaza here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. So listen, I know we have a lot of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners out there that listen to the show. And right now, if you're one of those folks and you're doing, let's call it a bare minimum of seven figures and above in your business, then what I'd like to do is give you an offer right now. How would you like to get your hands on the frameworks that I actually used to scale my last company, which started off as a small little seven-figure company? to over $100 million in annual revenue. And I did it in less than two years and I did it without costly growing pains, without the headaches that, that you usually experience when you are scaling your business. So if you're one of those folks and you're trying to grow your company, but you're, you're finding yourself stuck in that day-to-day, if you're one of the listeners and you're getting grinded, this is your respite from getting grinded on your business, you're listening to our show and you're dealing with the breakdowns, you're dealing with inefficiencies, and you know, you've know got that firefighter suit on and all the problems lining on your desk and you're, you're not doing the work you're supposed to be doing, which is working on the business instead of in it, then what I'm about to talk to you about for the next call 60 seconds, this is precisely for you. Real quickly though, if you don't already know this about me, prior to starting The Greatness Machine, I spent 20 years of my life as a founder and CEO of real world companies. And during that time, I actually grew my companies to over $1.2 billion with a B in bootstrap revenue. In fact, 
Uh, we scaled our, my last company from 30 to 1,000 employees, and we did it in just 36 months, and we did it all by using a three-step framework that I call my scale map method. So that, of course, brings us to the purpose of this here mid-roll ad. Yes, this is what the podcast producers call these things. Recently, I created a 30-minute training, and what it does is it walks you step-by-step through all of my scale map method frameworks. And you can watch it right now for free when you go to DariusScale.com. That's my first name, Darius, scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And what these frameworks do is they fix, they simplify, and they streamline every single aspect of your business. And they do it without the need for complicated scaling systems that are typically way too difficult and way too time consuming for a busy CEO like you and from my, like myself was to implement. So if you want a simple and you want a proven path to remove yourself from the day-to-day operations, just like I did, so that you can do what you're supposed to be doing, which is leading your company to record growth without the headaches and without the growing pains, go to DariusScale.com. That's www.DariusScale.com. Watch the short video, and I'll see you guys on the inside. Now, back to the show. So when you look at like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You know, at the top of that pyramid, I don't know if I'm familiar with Maslow, but but um, top of the pyramid is, you know, self-actualization, like living your calling. You know, Japanese call it ikigai, right? yeah. like yeah. living living with purpose and passion. Below that is success, to your point, that's around the book you were talking about, like, you know, having success and then applying it to a more of a purpose-driven life. Right. That's that's that elevation from success to self-actualization. The bottom of the pyramid, though, is survival. I I can't worry about success. I can't worry about living my calling if I'm living in the environment you just described. And so when you start to look, you know, the obviously your organization, the family legacy is self-actualizing. You guys are living your calling of, of trying to change the lives of these kids. And from what I, the perspective I'm seeing is you're trying to take them from that survival to that success le- level. It's trying That's to right. m- move them there. What is the, you know, when you start to look at like, what, what are the go- Like, what's the strategy for you? Like, how do yeah. you guys try to do that at scale? Well, so, so we have schools that go from first grade to 12th grade. And, uh, and we, we work within the government education system, even though we are private schools. And then we have developed long-term relationships with uh, colleges uh, in Zambia and in Zimbabwe, but but here's the here's the situation for most of our kids. If they can make it through the ninth grade, they will have learned how to read English, write English, do simple math. They will have worked through their trauma. They actually are in a position to be contributing citizens to their society. They actually can be givers instead of takers. Mm-hmm. And so if we can get them through ninth grade, I mean, that's a gigantic win. Now, that would we would feel like that was a loss in the United States. But in Zambia, that's a big win. And then our, our the next piece is, is that we begin to identify which of these kids could be in college and which of these kids should we move them down a track of trades. And uh, what we've come to realize over time is about 70 percent of our kids, if we can teach them refrigeration, sewing, plumbing, auto mechanics, small engine repair, bricklaying, any of that, that they can provide for their family. Yeah. And so, you know, not too indifferent from urban United States. You know, I live in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I think Dallas Independent School District, uh, 30% of their kids go to college and about 20% of those kids finish college. 
the balance of them ought to be going to some sort of a trade school. Well, right. it's, not, it's not different in Zambia. So we actually uh, right now are developing a mobile trades program where we're going to take trades into all 23 of our schools. And we're going to start in the first, second and third grade to begin teach kids, teaching kids trades while they're learning English, math and all those things. Wow. We also, we also have added a farm at our, uh, it's not an orphanage, we call it a children's village, nine acres of vegetables, a thousand chickens that are broilers, 200 goats, and then a bunch of chickens that are layers. We're literally teaching these kids how to farm. You know, I, we actually slaughter chickens. We feed them to the kids. We, it's an industrial system. And I know some people don't like the fact that we slaughter kids, but if you go to Chick-fil-A, they do too, right? But we're training these kids for life. I mean, we're putting them in a position where they can actually not just survive, but possibly someday thrive. Yeah. And that's the hope. And right now we have about 100 kids in college. Uh, we've got about uh, 200 kids in a trades program. We have 300 kids in a gap year program, young adults, where they are getting a low level trade certificate so they can begin to put food on the table. Wow. That's I mean, amazing. It's working. It's working. Yeah. And so right now, like, so how long has Family Legacy uh, been around for? So we started in 2004 and, uh, and then about uh, 2000, you know, uh, 10, 11, we began to build our own schools, start our own schools instead of using government and community schools. And today, um, all but about 2000 of our kids are in our program. About 2000 of them go to the government schools. But even with that, we work with the government schools uh, to help that be a better experience than maybe the average kid that would go to a government school. And so I got to assume that if if you got and you're saying you're working with about 10 percent of the, the, the child population there, the under 18 population, uh, the under 18 population that's walking the streets. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So, so is it like an open door? Any kid can get in or is it a thing where they're applying? I mean, I got to assume that there's probably a pretty big demand for this. If I'm a kid living in, yeah. you know, Lusaka and I'm poor and there's this place where I can go get school and a meal. That's right. Yeah. Tell me about that. So we have a community development team and the community development team goes into the compounds and they actually begin to identify kids that they think could be the kids that would you know, that would really benefit from this education. Now, a lot of them will. But in that, when they identify a child, they go meet with their caregiver and they say, listen, this is what we would like to do. And this is the commitment we would like you to make. Listen, if they're going to come to our school, you need to provide for space and time for them to do their homework. Uh, you need to encourage them. You, you need to become that caregiver that you would hope they would be. And uh, and we get the, those parents really to sign off and say, yes, we are for this. Uh, and, 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 and we go on to say, listen, uh, if it gets tough, don't pull your kid out of school and have them sell tomatoes on the corner. Uh, if it gets tough, let them continue to get their education. Let's find a different way for your family to get fed. And uh, we've gone through different seasons where we've provided food for families as well. We did a lot of that during COVID. You know, I mean, there was a, a food scarcity problem. The borders were closed to South Africa where much of the food comes from. So we We've done a lot of different things, but we've tried to stick to our main core uh, goal and mission, which is to help these kids live up to their God-given potential. So go, going, yeah, it's, I, I, it's funny. I, I got so in, intrigued by like the, just the, the macro story. Let, let's talk about COVID. Like how, how has that affected this, you know, 
vulnerable population. What have you seen the differences between your experience of obviously being here in Texas and in America compared to what you're seeing your kids go through in in Zambia? Yeah, so you're you're in a you're in a country that has minimal uh, medical services, although we have our quad certified infectious disease doctor, maybe one of the best doctors on the continent. You know, we as because he's an has an infectious disease background. The moment COVID hit, he began to buy oxygen and uh, medication that you use for malaria actually is medication you can use with kids and and adults for that matter that have COVID. But here's the thing that was very interesting. Even though they are very, very vulnerable, you got to realize they've been exposed to so many things that they actually have some natural immunities that we don't have. Wow. So 14,000 kids at one point uh, in the third wave, which was the Delta variant, we had about 1,000 kids have COVID. We had about uh, 200 of our 900 staff have COVID. And and we did lose some vulnerable kids, and we did lose some vulnerable staff, about mm-hmm. five total. Well, to lose five people in the midst of nearly 15,000 people, that was a miracle. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. We then uh, we lobbied and worked with different agencies, NGOs, to get vaccines. And uh, we began to vaccinate. Uh, the Zambian government lets you vaccinate anybody that was 18 and older. And so the kids that we had that were 18 and older, we vaccinated them. We vaccinated about half of our staff. And, you know, Central Africa, South, South Central Africa and Central Africa, uh, there's a, I could send you this article. I mean, there's a big red dot in the middle that has received very few vaccines, and uh, we need to change that. We're working on that now, along with a lot of other NGOs, to make a big difference there. Is there is there a vaccine hesitancy there at all, like like there is in the states? Or there, no? there is a vaccine hesitancy there, and and of course we wouldn't vaccinate anybody unless uh, unless a caregiver agreed for that to happen. But but uh, you know in Africa, like we've had in different parts of the United States back in the '40s and '50s, vaccinations were done experimentally, and Ooh. because of that, there's some vaccination hesitation. But uh, the Omicron variant, which is going on now, has been uh, significantly less severe, uh, more, more, far more infectious, right. but less severe from the standpoint of death. And uh, for that, we're very, very grateful. And and in the first way, the first year of COVID, we lost about two months of education. The second year, we lost about a month. And this year, they're just delaying school by two weeks. Um, I think they've come to realize that we've got to attack COVID in school a different way. We don't want these kids to fall further behind. Right. And so, I mean, you're doing some amazing stuff there. When you look at the future of Family Legacy and your work you're doing, like what, you know, you go out right now, it's, you know, January 2022. And, you know, what when you look at the long-term vision, and I know you're a visionary, what is the goal? Like, what what's the long-term goal for your work at Family Legacy and for Family Legacy in of itself? Yeah, we just uh, we just drafted a, a a three to five year strategy. You know, I don't know if you can do five year strategies anymore. The world changes so fast. Right. But in the three year strategy, uh, what we one of the things that we have done is that we we continue to be, 
be convinced that going deeper with the children we have is the best solution. So we have added a, a, a very intense literacy program. That's the number one uh, measure of those kids being able to go to college is actually having the ability to read at grade level. And so we've we've developed and are working with a group that has developed this very intensive literacy program. Uh, the second thing that we've done is that uh, there's a uh, a group in the, in Dallas, Texas called the Momentous Academy. They are on the cutting edge of social emotional learning and uh, social emotional learning in the sense that helping kids that have had trauma, trauma-based backgrounds, unpack their junk. And so we have launched social emotional learning in all 23 of our schools. We actually had to take our teachers through it first to help them work through their trauma. Oh, wow. So that they actually were in a position to help the kids work through their trauma. Between sexual abuse, physical abuse, poverty, hunger, abandonment, all the things that that are pretty common in some of these uh, very urban uh, centers in Africa, we've had to help these kids really wrestle through it. Uh, The third piece is really having an emphasis on trades. We are developing a trade school. We're also working through this mobile trades program where the trades elements are going to come to our 23 different schools. Fourthly, we have 600 kids that are in this children's village, and these are the most vulnerable of our kids. And historically, we've brought them in in the first or second grade and kept them for 12 years. Well, if you know the science of institutional care, what has been proven over time is that in the long run, they're actually better served being reintegrated in their community earlier with somebody who's a safe family member. Mm -hmm. And so our historical model has been almost like a cruise ship. These kids come and they live with us a long time. We tell them when to get up. We tell them when to go to bed. We feed them three square meals a day. We educate them. And we'll still do that for the most vulnerable kids, the HIV kids, the cancer kids. But for the ones that could be reintegrated, we're kind of redefining our model to be like a battleship. We're going to bring in the wounded, really help them work through their junk in three to four years, and then reintegrate them into the communities. Wow. And, uh, and, and that's where flourishing happens for those kids. And we'll, we'll stick at about 600 kids. That's about as big as we want to get there. And, and we think that there's a great opportunity with that. Lastly, um, for the kids that can go to college, we are going, going to begin raising significant college funds. And college costs there is nothing compared to the United States. You can, uh, for $450 a month, you can send a child to college in any of the colleges that we have uh, uh, MOUs with. And uh, man, we want these kids to become educated. We want them to have a some sort of a trade that allows them to actually do great work. And so it, it's the whole idea of going deeper, not growing bigger necessarily, not right now. We want to make sure that we are doing a great job with the ones that we've been given to care for. Yeah, I love the work you're doing, Mario. It's just, it's it's really warms my heart to hear that that there's organizations like yours going out there and you know i love the idea of of you know taking that strategy and that philosophy of of going deep in one place and really creating impact when you guys look at the people coming out i mean obviously the the organization's been around for a little while and you guys have grown and pivoted and you know optimized to, to create better outcomes what are you guys seeing as far as like like i'm sure there's a lot of people now who are adults who started with you guys in the past or they're now coming into adulthood. What, what, what type of success stories are you guys seeing nowadays? 
Well, we, I mean, we've had students that have graduated that have become nurses, teachers. We got one right now that's in medical school. We have one that, uh, we, although we don't encourage them to come to the United States because we think if they come to the West, they might not ever go back. <laughs> we have uh, we have several that have come to the United States. One who is uh, just finished getting his associate's degree here. He's uh, enrolled into a four-year college, uh, you know, a, a long-term program. He is convinced he's going to be the president of Zambia someday. He's a poli-sci major here nice. in the United States. So, I, you know, I think I think we're going to make a difference by developing uh, some level of leaders down the road. We have teachers that have come back that are teaching in our schools. We've got nurses that are working in our medical clinic. So, so we have begun to reintegrate them into our system and actually have them give back. So I, I think from that perspective, if we can, if we can populate even our own system and create some sort of a long-term kind of pool for opportunity, I think that that's, that's going to be awesome. The other thing that we're that we're doing is that we, we are giving it away. I, I don't have a scarcity mentality. I have an abundance mentality. Yeah. If anybody wanted to start a program like this in another African country or any third world country, I'll share everything we have. Uh, you know, I met last week with a guy who's in Ethiopia and the work and we've been sharing the work that he's doing and I'm doing. Uh, we've done work and shared information with another group in Uganda. We've shared, shared some of the principles with some folks in the United States. Listen, what we have, we're willing to give away. We want to impact kids. Yeah. We want their lives to be changed. And so if you're listening to this right now, uh, you can contact me. I'd love to share what we're doing. I'll give you anything we have. I mean, I got all these PowerPoint slides that just talks about the philosophy of impacting uh, kids in a great way. I love that, man. So, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that, that, you know, we have a lot of, you know, aspirational and inspirational leaders that listen to the show. What um, people want to connect with you or if they want to learn more about Family Legacy or maybe to try to build their own thing, what's the best way for them to get in touch with Family Legacy and or yourself? Uh, absolutely. So familylegacy.com is our website and that uh, will tell you about everything that we do. And by the way, not only do we do school, but we actually bring several hundred Americans from uh, the U.S. to Zambia in the month of June. And if you want to come to camp, uh, which we do camp for kids from the inner city, you'll have your name will be on the wrist of 10 kids. We'll teach you everything you need to know about doing camp. And it's an, in essence, a mission trip. And uh, hey, you're in Africa. You might as well go on a safari, a photo safari afterwards or go to Victoria Falls. But uh, they can go to familylegacy.com and they can find out more. If you want to communicate with me, you just go to uh, Mario at familylegacy.com. And uh, I read all my own emails. And so, uh, listen, I would love to talk with you, meet with you. You know, we can set up a Zoom and we'll just chat about what your aspirations are. Our greatest desire is for kids to be empowered and equipped for a greater life. I love it, man. I'd love to share it. So familylegacy.com is the best way for people to get in touch with the organization? That's right. Well, you guys, you heard it here first, or maybe not first, but today. Yeah. Mario, man, you're doing so much greatness in the world. I'm so proud to, to get to know you and to, to learn more about what you're doing and to share the work that you're doing with, with the world. So thank you so much for continuing to, to create impact in the world and to do what you're doing. And man, really appreciate you very much. Hey, man, Darius, great to be with you. Thanks for letting me be on your show. And uh, I'm just uh, hoping that, that this has a great impact. And I'm, and I'm grateful for what you're doing and in investing in the lives of people through this medium. 
pleasure is mine and, and gratitude's all here for me too. Thank you, my all friend. Right, guys, we'll see you guys later. Next episode. Peace out. We love you. You are listening to The Greatness Machine and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.